Hello there, friends. I'm Richard Kisnan. We all knew it was coming. Adulthood. Relationships and marriage, business, health, money, bills, fitness. If you're like me, we didn't think that life would come at us like this. I welcome you to join me for raw, authentic, and hopefully really fun conversations about coming into your own as an adult and to help you create a powerful life of your design. This is the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. Hey there, AR Nation. I've got a quick announcement I'd like to share with you. It's about an incredibly powerful, high-ticket marketing community that I'm a proud member of. It's called the Super Affiliate Accelerator. This program's absolutely for you if you want to be successful online. Whether you're a beginner looking to get started with an online business, and also if you already have an online business but struggling to reach your goals. The Super Affiliate Accelerator is run by three experienced and amazing coaches. Between the three of them, they've sold millions of dollars in products and services online across all different industries. Why I find the Super Affiliate Accelerator so powerful is because of its unique all-in-one blend of a proven training program, weekly coaching and mentoring from an amazing group of accomplished internet marketers, and a private mastermind community of like-minded and supportive business owners and professionals. For a limited time, the SAA coaches are offering a complimentary business strategy call. So whether you're a coach or consultant, if you provide professional services, or if you just want to start an online business, but you're confused or overwhelmed with where or how to start, I invite you to check out this incredible program, the Super Affiliate Accelerator. And you can learn more today by visiting richardkistenden.com forward slash SAA. Again, that's richardkistenden.com forward slash SAA. Now, let's get to today's amazing episode. Hey there, friends. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Kiston. I am so thankful, so grateful that you're here spending your time and energy with me wherever you are in the world doing whatever it is you may be doing. I truly appreciate it. I have a favor to ask. If you haven't already done so, head to wherever I get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe. Uh, share the podcast, leave a rating and review. It'll do so much to help the podcast grow. And again, from the bottom of my heart to help me share my message, I truly, truly appreciate it. And thank you for that. On today's episode, we've got a great guest. She's got, like, I'm very curious to dive into her story because from all her website, what she shares on Facebook, she is a transformational and empowerment coach. She helps people. She's a relationship specialist and speaker, and she helps people, particularly women, to create empowered connections and strengthen relationships, both with people, both with people in their lives as well as with businesses, and to empower themselves to lead truly, truly transformational, transformational lives. So, I'd love to welcome to the Adulthood Revisit Podcast, Julia Phoenix. Julia, how are you? Welcome to the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. Hi, I'm really great. I'm I'm so excited to be here today, and thank you for that um, awesome, enthusiastic introduction. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, I was going through your website and like it, what my take from it is that you, your, you enjoy sharing your experience in creating a life that you feel empowered. And I think that's, that in itself is really impactful. Just, I get this sense. And again, I'm really making an assumption here that people feel some kind of way. Let me put it that way feel some kind of way or awkward about sharing their own journey, sharing their empowerment with others. And so whenever I come across someone who 
has taken their story and saying, you know what, like, I know people can benefit from this and people can learn to lead or, you know, become empowered, become transformed from my story. Like something resonates with me. So thank you for coming on the show, making time for it and sharing your story. So uh, take us back to where you think is a good point in your story where all of this began. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, you know, Richard, I feel a way about not sharing my story. So it's really, really important for me, for my own healing, to be able to um, share my personal uh, story and be really open about that. And I find it really healing for others as well. So I, I do really resonate with you on that point. And I love the work you're doing here with the podcast. So with that said, um, yeah, I grew up in Palo Alto, California, the heart of Silicon Valley, you know, you know, in the... 80s, 90s. So uh, it was an interesting, interesting kind of time and space where people were really focused on, um, you know, industry and a lot of mental activity progression. I, it was a, it was a very privileged upbringing in some ways. You know, um, it's a, obviously an incredibly affluent area, and at the very same time, um, I, there were some unique elements to my childhood experience. My, my parents actually were involved in an Eastern spiritual cult, which had a hub in Oakland, actually, but they were married in India um, by their guru. And uh, it, it, we were, so we were involved in this kind of weird sort of spiritual sub-community. Um, and there was a lot of shady stuff going on behind the scenes there. So including um, pedophilia, actually, and also a lot of just suppression of information, surveillance without permission, things like that. So it was kind of a strange energy to be around, you know, and uh, and I also experienced abuse, you know, at the hands of my father, sexual abuse. And uh, and then my mother was very emotionally kind of depressed and up and down, um, not very well and would get violent sometimes and that sort of thing. So even though it was kind of like outside, this is why it's so important for me to, to tell my story, actually, because outside it looks like, you know, we're this like all American white family, you know, she goes to a great school, like has everything you could ever want. Right. And And my family was very interested in like keeping this appearance of like, we are this perfect family and telling this story, this narrative, right? We are this really special spiritual family and um, we're this perfect little unit and everyone should be so lucky to be us, uh, which was a very gaslighting experience for me. It was really confusing to have those kinds of messages all the time. And then for the reality at home to be so different. And so when I went to school, I think I carried that sense of being different, that sense of being broken or there's something weird going on with me um, and sensing this sort of disconnection from the other children. And, and you carry those experiences when you can't talk about them. It's like they brand you in this way um, where you, you, you just feel like there's a, like a pane of glass between you and everyone else. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, what I'm hearing, and again, maybe I'm just using my my own because I I resonate a bit with with what you're saying, right? I mm-hmm. I grew up in a household where maybe the inverse of what you're experiencing, and I, like, uh-huh. this is probably the, one of the first times I've ever shared this, but I always felt less than adequate because my parents were 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 where they're from. I'm a first generation American, and they my mom's from the Dominican Republic, my dad's from Guyana. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it just felt like 
everyone else seemed American and I wasn't. Even mm-hmm. though I was born and raised in Brooklyn, right? But I just felt displaced from it. And the same kind of sense is just, again, maybe on the other side of that wall, but it did feel mm-hmm. like a glass spacer between me and everyone else, oddly enough. So I, what you're sharing, I, I, I can identify with. Wow. For that, yeah, that's so fascinating, that kind of inverse experience. And it really makes me wonder, like, how many people are walking around feeling like that? You know, <laughs> we tend to have this feeling of like it's us and then it's everybody else and they all have this type of an experience and I'm the only one having this other type of experience and sometimes obviously like there are major differences and there are groups that have similarities and whatnot but at the same time I think that there is this kind of epidemic of emotional isolation that is happening everywhere Uh, and I just wonder how many kids go to school and feel different and feel you know less than or broken or weird or whatever and and again this is why I think telling our stories is so important because I didn't know that about you you know I could have all kinds of projections and assumptions about who you are or um, how you felt in your life or what your childhood was experience was like And, and the truth is is that we just don't know right right I want to ask you before we get back, because I'm going to jump to, so sharing like in school, you felt Mm -hmm. this enclosement or disconnect from the people around you based on what you're experiencing. But before we jump there, I want to turn back to the the question that what we were just talking about. And I guess, why do you think, so if, if let's say this assumption that you and I have that lots of people are carrying around this feeling of being disconnected because of the assumptions that they think they have to fulfill that other people have of them, mm-hmm. I guess is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. Why do you think so many people carry that around as opposed to choosing to like face it straight on and, and overcome that? Yeah, I mean, I think t- at the end of the day, you know, what's really ironic is that we do all kinds of things to preserve our sense of social safety or connection with the group. We're actually biologically wired to do so, right? We don't want to be rejected because at the end of the day, being rejected means we're exiled from the tribe. We're going to die on a biological kind of level. That's what's happening. And so we'll do all kinds of things to preserve that sense of social safety. So some of these things are assumptions of the way we have to be. Some of these things are explicit, you know, messages or implicit messages. Like, for example, it's not okay for a boy to cry. Okay, well, what if you're feeling sad? You know, <laughs> if you're feeling sad and it's not okay to cry, there's a disconnect between the image that you're presenting and what other people are seeing and, and you know, um, what is true for you. And so we can't fully be honest because of this fear of being pushed out, right? Um, until we recognize that we can and that that's what everybody else wants too. And then we start being brave enough to do that. But, you know, for for most people, we're going to prioritize that sense of social safety and we're going to kind of um, follow along with that conditioning. You know, a lot of it has to do with emotion, I believe, and emotional expression. You know, it's, it's okay to show certain emotions. It's not okay to show other emotions, you know. Um, and we receive hurtful, very hurtful messages when we do show certain emotions, you know we get teased, we get bullied, we get rejected. People don't want to be around us, things like that. Yeah. Um, It's it's a fascinating thing to think about, just like explore, Mm -hmm. but I want to get back to your story. So you're in school, you're growing up in Palo Alto and you're feeling 
a disconnect based on what your your family have you and your family are projecting out versus what you're experiencing yeah. on the inside. Yeah. When when did you decide? Because again, I feel like for a lot of people, they may feel things and feel emotions, feel or experience yeah. thoughts about it could be whatever, but there's there's a real gap between experiencing a thought or emotion and then taking action on that. So when for you, if if there was ever a discrete point, it became, you know what, I'm I'm tired of living Again, I, I may be putting words in your mouth, but like living this lie or this, this, w- the way we're living life is not really authentic. When for you did yeah. it be discreet? That's such a great question. And, you know, it took a while, if I'm being honest. I developed all kinds of coping mechanisms as a result of what happened in my childhood and not being able to cope. And so throughout my um, early 20s and stuff, I was in and out of treatment for an eating disorder. I went to treatment for drug addiction and alcoholism. That was a huge turning point. That was me saying, I choose to live. I choose to take responsibility over my own life and nobody's going to do that for me. And so I'm getting sober, you know, and there's all kinds of actions that I'm going to take to do that. Um, But I think also I just kind of reached this place where, um, (laughs) after I got sober, and this was kind of like later in my 20s, it's hard to pinpoint like an exact moment, but it was kind of just this feeling of being so freaking sick and tired of pretending, of being dissociated from my body, of feeling alone in the world um, and just faking it. I, I just, it was like, I don't really know how else to describe it, even though it seems so cliche, but I just felt like I couldn't do it anymore, you know? And around that time, I was fortunate enough to meet some really awesome teachers that, you know, helped me a lot. One of them is a woman by the name of Teal Swan. Uh, Another one was an older gentleman named Mel Brand, who both of them helped me a lot with this inner child work and uh, really kind of discovering the aspects of myself that wanted to live in a fuller way, wanted to have a fuller expression of life. And it was kind of like a fuck it moment. I don't know if I can curse on your show. I should have asked that. Okay. We got a thumbs up. Um, I had like a total fuck it moment where it was like, you know, the connections that I'm fighting for in my life that I'm pretending for, that I'm trying to be away for, um, they're not even really that fulfilling to me. Why? Because they can't see me anyway. So I can't be really connected. You know, I can't feel fully connected. Uh, So what have I got to lose was kind of you know, where I got to. And so I did, I started um, speaking out a lot more. This also corresponded with a time in my life where I chose to end um, all contact with my family of origin. So that was a huge thing. I would say if I were to pinpoint a moment, it was probably that. That was me really saying, you know what, this is my line in the sand. If you're not going to be able to step over into the place where I can live my truth, and express authentically, and you can't be in that reality, I actually don't want you in my life. Like, I don't need that, you know? And that, I think, also opened the doorway for all kinds of other people to come into my life that did want to hear what I had to say that could receive my truth and my full expression. When, and again, I know it's it wasn't a discreet point in your life, but let's let's just look at the, examining that point where you said you drew a line in the sand. What did you see for yourself for your own life on the other side of that? Like how, how long did it take you or how much work did you have to figure, like put in for yourself 
to say this is this is my life now and i guess because it's interesting i'm thinking about this like okay what what did you want your life to look like that it didn't look like like what what were the what were the things that you can say were either missing or not fulfilling that you wanted for yourself that your past life was keeping you Yeah. You know, what I can tell you, Richard, is that it was actually more, I think, about what I wanted it to feel like. You know, I wanted to feel like I could be in a space of full embodied expression, you know, like where I could, um, it sounds so cheesy again, but like really speak my truth and be received in that and feel like my outer reality matched my inner reality. There's this sense of alignment there that I just knew that I needed. I wanted to be able to be myself and I wanted to be received in that. You know, I didn't want to feel like I was hiding and I didn't want to feel or be alone. So in externally speaking, I did want connections in my life with people who welcomed the very things about me that other people would push away. Um, and so when other people push qualities of us away, you know, and say like, well, Julia, you're too sensitive. You shouldn't, you know, express your emotions like that. Then I start to develop the idea. Well, I'm too sensitive. I shouldn't express my emotions like that. Right. Until I got to a place and I did do a lot of inner work to, to get here, but where I said, no, that's bullshit. Like I am going to ex- express myself. And when I did that too, like the the desire was to have people who, you know, would say, I love that about you, you know, and that is what I found. Uh, but there is that kind of moment, I think, where you have to take that leap of faith where you don't know for sure, you know, you just don't know. And that's the fucking moment. Yeah. Um, you shared with me before we, before we hopped on the call that you were um, masters and was a child... Uh, child psych- yeah well my master's is actually human development and then my bachelor's is early childhood development so what was life I, I guess superficially speaking or or the, the outside experience what was your life like at that point and because eventually you started working with people coaching them helping them experience transformation in their lives both in for themselves and with relationships which I want to certainly get to but what was your life looking like and and what know what did you how, how was it feeling at the time were you fulfilled with the work you may have been doing or pursuing um and then what led you to start thinking about coaching as the as i guess the place for you yeah that's a great question um i taught preschool for a number of years uh and i did love being around the kids and i had this desire to and i loved being able to be creative and i had this desire really to help children to feel safer to feel like they could express themselves in different ways and to process their um emotions and thoughts and communicate in 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 different ways and and just i had a really deep passion for fostering children's development because i could see how that sort of was the beginning of everything, right? But what I didn't realize until a bit later on, a bit later into my career is that um, what I was really needing was to help little Julia with those things, if if you catch my meaning, <laughs> you know? So it's kind of like we, we project our, our innocence or our vulnerability sometimes out onto, you know, children or animals or a specific person and we want to caretake that thing. And then we realize, oh my God, it's because I'm needing that. You know, this aspect of me that's being reflected in that thing is really where I want to turn. And so 
um, what happened was I started to really get that. And I also started getting triggered sometimes in the classroom by the kids, specific kids, specific emotions, specific parents, and it would bring stuff up and I would go, huh, okay, there's something here. So I started doing a lot of my own inner child work. And that's really what, um, what like turned a corner for me in a massive way. Uh, and I did actually leave my teaching job, um, went into school and I was nannying. Um, but even in my, even in my studies, I was so interested in how can we actually work with the adults? Because when you're teaching preschool, what you start to get when you're working with young kids is that if the parents aren't on board, like for Forget about it. You know, they're going to take their kids home. They're going to do whatever they do. They're going to act out their programming from their family or whatever. So I thought I've got to get to the adults and I've got to, you know, unravel the knot there, you know, where previously my thinking was we get to the kids and we get them when they're young, right? Mm -mm. It's the, it's the adults. <laughs> so I, I, you know, it's funny. I had a conversation on the podcast. I, I'll probably link up the episode in the show notes with uh, Kate yeah. Davis who's currently, she's a, a third grade, second grade, third grade teacher of mine. And she mm -hmm. says, that's the exact same, that exact same thing that mm -hmm. if parents aren't enrolled, there's no teacher that can salvage that situation. It's like parents. No yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's about working with the family structure, the family system. And I think about elevating the consciousness of the parents or even just the adults who may or may not have children, you know, um, but, but, but I think previously too, I was maybe of the mindset that you can't really work backward like that, but that's not true at all. You know, my mentor, Mally used to always say, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Um, that's one of the reasons why I love the, the podcast name that you have adulthood revisited, because I think we can revisit our childhood. We can revisit our adulthood. <laughs> we can revisit all kinds of things and make it always room for growth. Always. Room exactly. Exactly. So take us there. Once you discovered for yourself, like, okay, I'm working with kids. It's cool, but maybe it's, maybe what I'm doing is really an outward expression of the work that I want to do for myself. Yeah. And maybe this work can actually be much more effective working with adults. What was, what was the expression of that? Did you start right away trying to figure out coaching? Did it just happen that you, as you were working with parents, maybe it was a side hustle? What was the growth of your, your coaching? Yeah. Yeah. So I never like had a moment where I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to build this coaching, but it kind of just, it kind of just unfolded that way. But but what happened was, you know, originally I wanted to work with parents and I wanted to specifically target my work towards, you know, um, helping parents to become more conscious and, um, and more engaged with caregiving um, of their children in a different way. But I was so engaged in my own healing process. It was just my full-time passion. I was, you know, reading and doing processes with myself and receiving coaching also. And one of my mentors who I mentioned, a woman named Teal Swan, um, she actually is a survivor of 13 years of ritual abuse. So she was um, abducted by a cult uh, from the ages of six to 19, I think. She was in the cult and just the worst type of, you know, experiences you could really imagine. And I was seeing her on a global stage doing this work to help other people um, and sharing that she had a process that she developed that helps heal PTSD. And it is an inner child work kind of regression process. So 
my coach encouraged me, why don't you just sign up and, you know, see if you go to her training. And so I was like, okay. I mean, she only selects, it was very selective. She only handpicks a few people. Um, so I didn't think I was going to necessarily get in, but I thought it would be, it would be really cool to just study with her. It wasn't for a professional reason. And I did get in and that training really, really changed my life um, in so many ways. And it set me on this whole different course. And because I was associated with her and people were looking for people to train or to facilitate her process with them, it was easy for me to actually get connected to people, people coming towards me saying, hey, you know, will you help me with X, Y, and Z and facilitate this process for me? So I just started doing it kind of on the side. And then I loved it. It took on a life of its own. It just kind of kept growing. And I also did different trainings, incorporated different modalities um, and kind of, uh, you know, found niche down in relationships a bit later on. But um, it's always a process, right, of the work evolving. At least that's how I feel. So different elements have been added over the years. That was about five years ago that that training happened. It was about five and a half years ago. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about now um, because you work with all types of people, but in, in terms of, especially from your website, I, I kind of glance or glean, uh, particularly helping people transform, their, empower their own lives, empower their relationships, mm-hmm. and empower their businesses. Mm-hmm. Now, I kind of feel like the short answer to is like those three are all interconnected, right? You're not going to have <laughs> any. any empowered in one area without being empowered in the other area. Exactly. Let's talk about some of the foundational work that you, if you were to cross, like, take a cross section of people that you work with, what are, what are some things that you, that's like top three things. If you, if there are such things that people come in when they're feeling disconnected with in their own lives, mm-hmm. whether it's in or in relationships or in their business, like they can't get over struggle. What do you think are some of the most immediate blinders that they don't see that you help people work work on almost immediately? Ooh, um, blinders that they don't see. I would say so much of human behavior is motivated by. Uh, our need and our desire for connection to people. And that actually also includes a lot of the time um, business pursuits or goals that we have with other things like money or our bodies, all kinds of things. When at the end of the day, if we really boil it down, what most people are really wanting is love and acceptance, you know? So <laughs> I think I really help people see that and see the purity of that desire and you know, I'm really good at sort of seeing the, the little boy or the little girl inside of people um, that didn't get the, that love that they needed and sort of zeroing in there, focusing there. Um, so that would be one thing. Uh, and you asked for a few though, right? If there are, if there aren't, I mean, that's a powerful one. <laughs> There's so many different directions I could go, you know, I mean, people's self-concept is a big one, but it's, it's really what, what people think they need to do in order to have love and connection that runs so many people's lives without them even knowing it. You know, it's like, well, or to be powerful or stay safe, like to stay safe. Uh, that's another one. So I can't be X, Y, or Z because it's not safe to be that in the world, even though that's who I am, <laughs> you know? Um, okay. Let's look at that. How can we find a way to make that safe? You know, 
um, people's self-concept. It's not safe to love myself. It's not safe to feel a sense of my own power or to embody that in my life because that triggered an adult when I was younger. And so now I have this programming that it's not okay to be that person and take up space in the world or have confidence or have a sense of self-empowerment or autonomy because that means I lose connection. You see, so most of these tendencies that people have, what I do is I kind of boil it all down to that foundational piece of, all right, if you're not taking the action you say you want to take, if you're not getting the things you want, whatever, it's usually because there's something else you're valuing more on a subconscious level that's pulling you in the opposite direction of those things. And it's usually something to do with connection. Does that make sense? Look, you hit it on the nail yeah. <laughs> on your website. You share that when you and your own story prioritize relationships yeah. and healing, yeah. so the same thing yeah. we're talking about connection exactly. and safety, like your world opening yes. up. Um, I guess I want to dive into the, because when we took, when for the individual, like it's, I'm going to say it's, it's easy to see because it's not easy to see, but you can, I think most people listening to this will probably say, okay, mm-hmm. you know, that makes sense when I focus on, like improving relationships that may be controlled from my four-year-old yeah. self and the, the yeah. reactions there. And also acknowledging the need for whether it's power or safety in my own life, like I can be a lot yeah. more authentic. But let's talk about relationships though, because that's this sort of the second area. Um, and you shared like you made the, put the line in the sand to take, remove certain kinds of relationships in your life that didn't fit with who you are. And that made room yeah. for relationships that do fit. How would you, when, when speaking with someone or working with someone, how do you help them if, if there is a, a way to identify or maybe evaluate the relationships in their lives to say mm. that this relationship is working or not working? Mm, that's a great question. I mean, I think there are different indicators for everyone. I think that as a general rule, most of us uh, in society have become have become really terrifyingly acclimatized to crappy relationships. <laughs> you know, it's very much normalized that we just kind of live in parallel lives where we don't really connect and it's just kind of surface or and it's not really fulfilling because there's no deep intimacy that's that's a lot of people's um, primary relationships or we fight all the time you know usually if you're frustrated if you're feeling unseen if you're feeling any sense of aloneness inside of yourself in relationships if you're feeling afraid to speak about certain things or show certain aspects of yourself. If you're feeling like you need a lot of space, like that's a big one. And sometimes people don't like when I say that, but it's really the truth. If you're like, I just am someone that I just need like a lot of my own space. And so I I just like, I hang out with someone for a couple of hours, then I got to pull away and I, I can't, you know, that's usually an indicator that your relationships actually aren't going so well and so fulfilling because we're, we're, we're designed to want to be together. That's just the truth of human biology. And so if you have a big resistance to that, then there's something going on there. In, in the realm of, I guess, moving right along then, the, the next um, pillar, if we're talking about individual, the relationship, and then business, mm-hmm. which you coach mm-hmm. lots of people on. How, how does that, I guess when you work with people, what tends to show there? Because, you know, countless individuals try their own business. I think especially now 
more and more people are examining the world and saying, you know what, I'm going to untether myself from, you know, getting paid by someone and then creating my life. But there's this place where many entrepreneurs get stuck, whether it's income wise or just feeling overwhelmed by the, by the task of creating a business. Like what would you say are some of the, the thoughts or beliefs that people have about themselves when they start working with you where they say that they're stuck in their, in their business. Right. I mean, there's, it's a few things. I mean, it may be that the work itself is out of alignment for the person. They're trying to do something that they can't actually get their whole heart behind. And that's obviously where we got to start if that's the case. But for a lot of people, what I see is that it really boils down to lack of support and really believing that we have to do everything on our own. And we live in this incredibly, uh, you know, individualistic culture, kind of independence-driven culture, especially here in the States and especially amongst entrepreneurs. There's this kind of attitude of like, you just like suit up and show up and you every day you do the thing. And it's this very hard kind of masculine, like driving energy, which works for some people, um, but nobody can be like that all the time. Right. And I see a lot of women in particular, I work with women, but um, you know, that aren't getting the support that they need. And they think that they're just supposed to be able to do that day in and day out and just grind and have that be okay. When in reality, whatever you're giving out, you should be getting at least as much in whatever you're, you know, whatever kind of support you're helping other people with. This is a big thing with women, female entrepreneurs is overgiving. You know, just like I'm going to support and help and heal the world and, you know, help all the people. But but then in my own life, there's this lack of nourishment. I'm at the end of the day, I'm turning off my Zoom or whatever, and I'm just exhausted and I'm alone in the house watching something with my cat. Not that that's wrong or there's anything bad about that, but where are you getting fed and who is lifting you up and who is uplifting you, you know, when you're, when you're having a hard time. Um, and so for me, that's, that's where I really see, I, I saw this in my own life, you know, when I moved in with my partner, Antoine, um, you know, that was really when that was like about four years ago, that was really when my business took off because we had this foundation together um, and created this really safe, really supportive kind of cocoon space, just the two of us. And I had so many needs met in that relationship. We were really supportive of one another's creative endeavors and careers and pursuits. And he helped me with a lot of things too. He's now, by the way, co-owner of my business and kind of runs all the back-end stuff. But you know, he would like, oh, you don't know how to, you know, use a camera for your YouTube video. I'll show you how to do that. Right. And I think a lot of people just don't, they're like, well, I'll Google it. You know, <laughs> like it, it really is a different element when you have people that you can just call up and be like, I'm stuck or I'm having a hard day or I really need help with X, Y, and Z. And also a lot of people don't hire people. They don't hire support, you know, and you probably know that and how important that is. Yeah. And those are just a few of the things. Um, I want, it leads nicely into the next question I want to ask you, which is for anyone listening to this and saying, okay, Julia, I'll, I'll bite. <laughs> what are some ways that people, and again, everyone's going to be in a different place, whether or not, whether they own their own business or they're an entrepreneur or not, whether they're in a relationship or not, whether just for themselves, that they're feeling like disconnected or somewhat, I'm not going to say empty, but just drained. Yeah. What are some ways that you would recommend? I don't know if you have 
any ideas around quick relief or things that people can either start doing or being more aware of in their own life to immediately experience something other than what they've been yeah. experiencing? Yeah, I love that. I really love this question. I think the first step always is, um, is going to be connecting with your own vulnerability, connecting with the way that I do this and the way that I teach this is connecting with your inner child. And so if you're in this hard driving adult mode if, and you're exhausted and you're depleted and you feel lonely or whatever it is you're feeling, you can actually pause and just take a moment, be with yourself. I like to do this in the bath, but honestly, like you can just sit wherever you are and put your hand over your heart or put two hands over your heart. This is my easiest shortcut. And ask to see that inner child that's calling out to you who's most needing your attention right now. And you'll probably get an image or you might just kind of have a knowing or a feeling. You might ask yourself, like, what age is this child? Um, You know, so let's say I I have a three-year-old version of me come towards me and she just says, I just want to play, you know? So you ask the child, like, what do you need? What do you need? And then as our adult selves, we we do the best that we can to meet those needs of the inner child. These are the parts of us that we've most often kind of denied or disowned or neglected. And so they're the ones that if we want to feel that sense of wholeness and understanding our needs, which is huge, we have to understand our needs, especially our relational needs. We talk to our inner children because they're the access point to those vulnerabilities that um, are really the key to unlocking deeper fulfillment in our life. So if my three-year-old self says, I want to play, I mean, say, okay, what do you want to do? I want to go to the swings at the park. Then that's what we're doing. I take my inner child to the swings and ask, what kind of music do you want to listen to? You know, Um, what kind of food do you want to eat? I might make her mac and cheese that night. You know, these are some really nurturing experiences that you can start to give yourself uh, and, and from that place, it becomes easier to look outwards and, and, and say, okay, well, how can I invite other people into this experience to help me meet my needs? That leads perfectly to my next question because I, and I'll share this much. I, yeah. the, this podcast came out of what we're talking about, like a disconnect mm-hmm. between me and, and the work that I was doing. Like I still run my law practice. I'm a lawyer mm-hmm. um, and I have my law practice, but I, I felt like I struggled for a long time and it just, while I enjoy helping people, I don't know if this, it's taken me X years to figure this out, but I don't know if this has been the best and most useful place for my talents and gifts. I feel like I've got so much more to give the world than I have been doing legal work. Mm-hmm. And so some of that has been like doing more, more work online and as well as doing this podcast, which I, I thoroughly enjoy. Um, how the, the, the problem with that, I'm going to say it's a pro- I don't know if it's a problem or not, but the consequence of doing that is that, Oftentimes, people in our own lives, whether it's family, friends, people that we connect with, judges, <laughs> will yeah. say, like, they'll look at that and say, again, based on their own assumptions about what you ought to be doing or not to be doing, that what are you doing with your life? Like, you, you've got, <laughs> they'll kind of like you shared, they'll impose their own yeah. assumptions about life on you. And there's, there's a reality to that, that you have to deal with the people in your life and the things that they say and do. How do are there some ways you encourage the people that you work with to in getting ready to deal with that? Let's call it blowback 
from yeah. you feeling connected and more authentic with the way you're expressing yourself, how to deal with the people in their lives when that blowback is coming. Yeah, this is so huge because I actually call it the, the kickback. So we have a really similar <laughs> understanding and framework of this. It, it's something that happens. It happens when we find our boys. It happens when we start setting boundaries. It happens when we change direction. People have judgments, people have opinions. You know, I think one really big thing is in addition to being really solid in yourself and knowing that this is what I want to do and this is what I choose to do and, and therefore this is what I this is what I'm committed to. It's also having other people, even if it's just one person, like even if it is me and I'm the only person in their life to hold up that mirror for them and say, I support you. I believe in you. I'm going to be here holding your hand. That is huge because if we don't have at least one other person, it's going to be really hard because again, we're prioritizing connection. We don't want to lose people out of our lives. We don't want to be alone, you know, or feel really rejected by people. So that's the first thing. And then number two is I, I think actually teaching communication with people. I, I had a huge focus on how do we communicate and express boundaries, you know? So to be able to say to someone something like, you know, like the judge, you were, you know, I really appreciate your concern for me. Like I feel, um, I feel, cared for when you're expressing that you uh, have um, concerns about <laughs> the direction I'm going. And um, I'm really committed to this path. And so I'd appreciate it if you supported me in that direction. I mean, it's pretty simple, but <clears throat> sometimes I'll even practice with people how to respond, how to say things like that, because just having the language, even though, again, it sounds so simple. Sometimes we don't, when we don't have that, we kind of freeze in the moment. We go into pattern, we go into a spiral. Um, and it's hard to really stay in that focused adult place. That's another thing that I do in my work is you, you can kind of actually have a little bit of choice and agency around, am I in my inner child or am I in my adult, right? If I'm in my inner child, I'm going to respond to that judge's comment like, you know, he's probably right. <laughs> you know, if I'm more in my adult self, I can actually hold that inner child with me, carry him, you know, and, and say like, I understand that you're feeling hurt or you're feeling scared or you're feeling alone. I'm here with you. And like adult Richard has got this. And then you're the one that speaks these words. Yeah, you, you know, what struck me just now about your comment was the, the second part of it. Like, as you're doing me mm. towards, let's call it, all the judges <laughs> I work with are great, by the way. <laughs> but It was just funny. It was a funny example. Uh, was yeah. the, the latter, the second part of it, which was, mm. I'm committed to this, but also mm -hmm. I would appreciate your support, which is, I think, yeah. something that a lot of times we leave out is being comfortable in asking for the things yeah. you want from the Absolutely. people in your lives. A hundred percent. It's so important to whenever we're sharing how we feel with someone to also connect like, and what do I need instead? And what is the request that I'm going to make? Because we get to do that. In fact, we need to do that. People don't know unless we tell them like, this is how you can support me. I would even take it a step further. This is how you can support me. I would appreciate that if those comments about concern um, weren't made and instead you came to my art show this weekend. That would feel really supportive to me. You know, uh, we get to direct people and then they obviously get to choose whether or not they want to do those things, but that's empowered communication. Yeah. Super, super powerful. I, 
this <laughs> rounds out perfectly because thank you for this little coaching session. Julia, <laughs> you're doing such you're doing amazing work as demonstrated right here in our conversation in our conversation about empowerment in our in our with our own lives and with others in relationships and in business. If you can share a little about how you work with people, uh, you've got a number of different mediums by which people can connect with you and work with you. Uh, so if you can share how people can connect with you, who may be a good fit to reach out with you and next step to connecting with you. Sure. Thank you so much for that. So if you're in a partnership and you're struggling in your relationship, I do couples coaching and I do this with my partner. Um, and so you can reach out to me. Uh, the email is questions.julia at gmail.com. Or you can go to my website as well, Julia Phoenix 11. 11 is spelled out like the word rather than the number.com. Um, and also, I have a group mastermind right now running for uh, women, female entrepreneurs who don't want to sacrifice love and support and connection um, or success in their business. You know, I, I mean, I, I focus heavily on relationships, but I'm also a six figure business owner. So I want to help women to do the same, experience the same type of success in both love and business. So if you feel like you're a good fit for that, same thing. You can contact us through email. Uh, people can also friend me on Facebook. I'm actually relatively high touch, you know. So if you find me on Facebook, Julia Phoenix, um, you know, we can we can connect that way. You can send me a little message there. Uh, and, and then also I do for women who really want to go deep, you know, maybe they are aware that some of their traumatic patterns from childhood are holding them back from having the love or the um, career that they really, really want. Uh, I work with women for six months to a year one-on-one uh, -on -one and do deep dive coaching, which is super, super transformational. So for all three of those offerings, though, you can go to my website or, or, or the email, or you can message me on Facebook. And also if you don't want to invest that much, or if you're just, I don't know, I just might need a little, a little something. I have some courses available on my website. So I have a course called the Conflict Resolution Course, uh, which is really helpful for couples or if you tend to get into arguments or have difficulty communicating about your needs and boundaries, like you talk, like we talked about today. Um, and then I have the, the Inner Child Breakthrough Course if you're really wanting to dive in there. Uh, and so, yeah, any of those avenues would be uh, phenomenal to get a hold of me. Love to talk to you. Super, super. <laughs> Julia, thank you so much for sharing your insight, sharing your experience, walking us through some of the ways that you yourself have transformed your life and how we can take steps to do the same in our own lives. If you have any parting words or thoughts Aww. that you'd like to leave with the audience, a broad message, please, the floor is yours. Thank you, Richard. You're so sweet. I really appreciate you. Um, I would say... You know, no matter who you are, on the other side of your authentic expression in the world, I promise you that there is someone or many someones that are waiting to receive, to meet, to connect with someone like you, and they can't find you unless you make the commitment to show up and be yourself, you know? So I know that sounds easier than it probably actually is. But that includes like the mess. It includes like an ugly cry or, you know, something you think is stupid to say 
all of those things that represent what's going on internally for you, that's what I want to see. And that's what your people want to see. And that goes for your business as well as your personal relationships. There are people that are waiting. There are clients that are waiting. There are friends that are waiting. There are lovers that are waiting um, for you to be brave enough to share yourself in that way. And I support you. I'll be in the front row with a foam finger and popcorn just cheering you on. <laughs> that is super, super amazing. So powerful. Julia Phoenix, thank you so much. Again, I'll link up all the connections in the show notes. JuliaPhoenix11.com is where you can connect with her and all the courses and coaching that she does offer. Again, thank you so much for spending your time and energy here on the Adulthood Revisited podcast. Thank you, Richard. All right, AR Nation, until next time, take care, be well. Bye for now. Hey there, AR Nation. Before we go, I wanted to remind you of the Super Affiliate Accelerator. Whether you're looking to get started with an online business or if you're struggling to see the traction you've been hoping for in your current online business, the Super Affiliate Accelerator can help you see the success that you want in your business and in your life. The Super Affiliate Accelerator is an all-in-one, high-ticket marketing community where you'll get access to proven training, weekly coaching and mentoring from seasoned and accomplished marketers who've sold millions of dollars in products and services online, as well as access to a private mastermind community of like-minded and supportive business owners and professionals. Right now, the SAA coaches are offering a free complimentary business strategy call. So if you're ready to build a strong and profitable online business and brand, take advantage of the complimentary business strategy call today and learn more about the Super Affiliate Accelerator by visiting richardkiston.com forward slash SAA.